Hi. Hello. Hey. How you doing? Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, and I'm a midwife at a busy birth center. I'm Meredith Rout. I'm also a midwife and have a home birth practice. I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula for clients in and out of the hospital and also a birth assistant for out-of-hospital midwives. Bum, bum, bum. So, um, I feel like I always say that when we start out. You do. I just like to start out so, by saying um, that I'm ovulating so hard right now. and oh yeah. There's I, a real classy video that will probably be shared on social media. I feel for sure. like my, my uterus is literally trying to jump out of my body. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It hurts really bad. It just wants baby so bad. It's like, let me in. I want Think of all the great sex you'll have this week thanks to your ovulation. Thinking thinking done all right pain 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 <laughs> i have a sick child laying in my lap right now yeah that's We're all fun. gonna get sick yeah he's throwing up and pooping and playing on my phone so we'll see what happens we're drinking champagne to fight the bacteria though so it'll be fine it's working awesome <laughs> definitely <sighs> how about that amazing birth that you and i just had i know we got to do a birth together and it was so great it was a birth center birth how about those amazing photos that came out of that birth that made my day <laughs> i have to say that the photo i shared of kim's butt i had one that was even better but i feel like she probably would have unfriended me oh yeah. no i was hoping I, shared it. I was hoping you'd put that up it Why? looked like you would have freaked out first of all there's i love still time I, there's still time. I love horrible pictures of me. They make me so happy. And this one it is looks, not a horrible picture. Your ass looks amazing. It does not. It, it does. It's so like your waist is like tiny and your ass is just like bonk. It's like those pictures of Blame. the dogs up close where the noses are huge <laughs> and then it looks like their eyeballs are five feet away. <laughs> when you sent me that, I was so like, is your asshole the nose and right. your cheeks are the eyeballs? My ass took up the entire <laughs> photo and then it was like, oh, look, there's the little rest of your body 10 feet away. It was so glorious. <laughs> I was thought good. it was hilarious. You I could write a whole catch meme on my butt. I just wanted to say going along with this that I was traveling to New York with my sister this weekend and on the way home, my sister was like, we were talking about you for some reason. About she she, not just about her ass she goes man kim is so hot mm -hmm. oh thanks jo I, I just talked like, to somebody else today that said you were really hot and has a girl crush on you you guys are purposely building me up yeah to let me down for something i'm I waiting no we just build up crush. we never let down we never disappoint who has a girl crush on me i can't tell you, you that now I, need to, now I need to know this we're totally recording i'm setting up in case e something ever happens to chuck i need to have wives in waiting mm -hmm. because i'll become uh, obviously justin i get first in line no, you guys are already married <laughs> sorry and i'm not having sex with you either so i mean that's why you have concubines I you said to... it was if something happened to you no if something happened to chuck i have to have wives in waiting oh. i'm gonna become a lesbian and marry a woman oh that's okay. my backup plan i mean i think that's fair very fair thank you yeah I, I said that to my nieces recently actually I said um what did I say I was like invest in your future become a lesbian <laughs> oh my and god don't have children <laughs> and don't have kids or pets for they that matter laughed so hard <laughs> I feel like recently I've been reading so many stories of all these like badass women who are doing beautiful things in the world and the thing that they all have in common is they don't have children <laughs> Well, Meredith, you still have a chance. You have a bonus child, no, but you can. I know, but I've made promises that cannot be broken. Sure they can. All, Unless my uterus doesn't function. Mm, all promises can be broken. You don't know this yet because you haven't gotten married. <laughs> but 
But when wow. you do, it's <laughs> no such thing as a sacred bond. <laughs> Blah. Considering that you and Jess are going to partially marry us, I'm a little bit concerned about your perception of marriage. So I'm going to rein us back in now. I'm going to take the time to rein us back Chuck in. Chuck just opened the bedroom door and helicopter. Aww. We you missed it. it. Chuck, we're not looking. Ah. It's okay. I've, got, I've had my one glimpse in life. That was enough for me. <laughs> that was enough. Okay. What are we? What are we? What's our episode so, that we just so decided speaking on? Speaking of the birth that we did this week, um, we are actually going to get to hear a little bit more about it because today we are talking about cervical lips and your cervix swelling during birth. Yes. And um, so we're going to talk about that birth story after the break um, because that happened during that story. It happens a lot. I don't know if anyone has noticed, but when we don't really think ahead about what we're going to talk about, we tend to just talk about whatever happened at the most recent birth. Yeah. So we're Which just going to start mm-hmm. talking. You have lots of experiences. So I just we just wanted to tell everybody that in this episode, because this is our podcast. That's right. Hashtag um, we do what we want. This is... This is our experience and our perception of, how do you say, is it cervixes? Services. I like to say survive, but that's not right. Survive. I think it is services. So this is, this is our perception of cervixes and anterior lips or any kind of lips and cervixes and when they swell and why that happens. So I'm sure that there's probably going to be other healthcare professionals that do this that will disagree with some of the things we say. And we would love to hear about that. Yeah. So that's part of it is because um, collectively as healthcare professionals, when we bring all of our knowledge together, we can all learn so much. So much. So much. So much. So much. Can we start with talking about the misconception um, of cervical lips? And then we'll get into asyncletism because asyncletism. you don't have to ask. Just you just dive in like, like a muff. That's my next shirt. <laughs> that and go theta on me. Yeah, yes. I need to make that. So it's everyone at some point will have a cervical lip somewhere. Yeah, so as a provider, you mean as, not as a as a birthing. No, woman when you're in or? labor, so your cervix doesn't dilate symmetrically and beautifully. Mm-hmm out of the way it dilates like front back left right it could all go at once if you're you know maybe two or three most but. commonly though because your your cervix starts out more posterior which means to the back mm-hmm. it does the most common way for a cervix to dilate is from the back to the front mm-hmm. which would leave right. an anterior lip right last. which is a lot of is mostly what you see is when you see yeah. a lip is anterior so it has lots with your position too like depending on what positions you're in in labor that can affect which parts so, of your cervix dilate. So many before you go on should we just describe to people out there that might not know what we're talking about what a lip is great idea because we're not talking about like well, a labia yes yeah, so that's your what inner i was lips. i was trying to work up to that to like explaining the difference between dilation and a lip i hijacked that from you (laughs) shocking jess is telling us what to do again so but i guess what jess is asking for is what is a cervical lip it's a it's part of your cervix that doesn't dilate out of the way and it's typically an anterior lip so the your entire cervix will be gone and your provider will say i can't feel any of your cervix but you do have a lip so a cervical lip is typically in the front it's against your pubic bone that's usually where we see it so we are saying there's a difference between a swollen cervical lip and mm-hmm. the remainder of your cervix, which just hasn't had enough time to move out of the way. So those magical yeah. numbers that you hear, like you're 10 centimeters dilated. 
you are 10 centimeters dry with a lip, but you just have like a little bit of something left over on one side. So sometimes I'll hear people say like providers will be like, so you're like nine and a half mm-hmm. centimeters dry. Which isn't really a thing, but no. it is an attempt to describe what is going on with your cervix. Yeah. So um, if you're using a provider that has experience and has touched a lot of cervixes that's how i'm gonna that's how i'm gonna say that so many cervixes in my day and actually takes time to like feel what's happening to the cervix then they'll know the difference between a cervical lip a swollen cervical lip often due to the position of the baby or they'll say oh you just have a little bit of a cervical lip left and that just means you just haven't finished dilating yet yeah and how you i guess we're gonna talk about how you handle those two situations differently later so i won't go in there's so many now yeah i mean i would say that for like a normal anterior lip where it's just like your cervix hasn't had time to go all the way away and there's nothing else going on that makes it seem like there's an issue basically for that it's just a little bit more time Time. especially if mom is like um feeling well tolerating labor well yeah Yeah. and sorry cut you off so I guess we just wanted to start by clarifying um, and explaining that your cervix, it's a misconception that the cervix dilates symmetrically. You will always have one part of your cervix that goes away last. And mm-hmm. that is called a lip and not necessarily a bad thing. If you're being checked every 30 to 40 to 60 minutes. Which we don't recommend. Which we don't recommend. But Increased sometimes, risk of infection. Yeah. But sometimes it happens even at the center. Like if a mom is five centimeters and suddenly they're pushing, I'll yeah. check to make sure it's not something weird happening. But um, if you're not being checked every hour, then likely that lip will be there and then go away and no one will feel it because you're yeah. not being checked all the time. So we just wanted to clarify and make sure everyone knew that the cervix doesn't dilate all at once. And it's okay to have a lip versus a swollen anterior lip. And so then there's times, and this is what I see the most in my practice, is that um, there are times when there is a lip that is just not resolving over hours and hours and hours. So a time when you would think like you've been in transition for this many hours and you should have been pushing by now or had your baby. And that's when moms start to feel a little over, not if not already overwhelmed, even more overwhelmed. Oh, starting yeah. to like feel like they're losing control because it's going longer than they expected it to be considering where they're at. And I find that when that happens, for the most part, it's because there's something else that is not working correctly. Um, so I, I would think that the, the majority of the cases of that, a lip that just is not going away, especially if it's not in the front, it's somewhere else. It's because there's something going on with the baby's position. Like the baby's head is not flexed well, um, which could be just... A, a baby in a good position but their head is not flexed so the bigger and part by of flex we mean like their chin isn't tucked down the way it should yeah. be towards their chest instead it's like hyper extended up because when their chin is to their chest the smallest part of a baby's head is the crown of their head and so that's the part that you really want presenting first but for a baby whose head is up it's the whole circumference of their head whole round nog and so that's a, it's harder for the, the baby to it's the occiput that should be presenting. Oxiput. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> or if the baby is posterior, um, you'll often feel, and for those of you who haven't mm-hmm. maybe done a lot of vaginal exams, if you're feeling the cervix is very loose in one area and tight in another, then that often will indicate 
um, that the baby's asynclitic or posterior because the head's yeah. not able to come down and apply. And that often will cause a cervical um, swelling situation. Yeah. So you can have a baby that's not flexed either because they're posterior. Mm-hmm. And so just because a baby really can't be flexed and be coming out posterior very well it's just how how it is when their back is on your back Mm -hmm. um but then also if they are anterior but their head's not flexed you're gonna get that like if they have like a little hand nudged up under their chin that can be a common reason why but then there'll be babies who are in good positions but their head is just cocked a little to the side and not coming straight down so that's what we would call asynclitic And those are the kids that you see come out that have like the weird swelling on the side of the your yeah. head. And you're like, whoa. And so or they can be posterior and asynclitic. Yeah. Because why not? Yeah. And so very often I'll see with asynclitic babies that you'll get more of a lip that's left on one side or the other, not an anterior lip. Mm-hmm. Because the pressure on that cervix is uneven. Like they're not putting pressure down on it completely around. Yeah. And so that, I mean, so I like to talk about how that's why I usually see those things happen and it's that in combination with something else that the cervix having trouble going away and that's when I usually see a cervix that starts to swell mm-hmm. and luckily with out-of-hospital birth especially like we do a lot of training on what to do to help babies get into a better position even in labor so like there's a lot of tools to be able to address that whereas in some situations like if you have an epidural or things like that you can flip side to side, which can help, but you know, you're not able to get upright and do a lot of things to move the baby's position. Katie and I have gotten really aggressive in the last four years. And if there is any doubt of a perfect vertex flexed position, we are doing spinning babies right away. What's spinning babies? Spinning babies is an organization that uses maternal positioning and they focus a lot on the, um, different ligaments that hold the uterus and pelvis and getting those ligaments in correct positions and using maternal positioning to help babies um, reposition themselves into correct positions that make birth go smoother. And if you're pregnant, you can go on spinningbabies.com and check out all of their exercises for optimal fetal positioning which i talk about with everybody all the time yeah and if you're a provider they do workshops all over the country multiple workshops a month so it's really accessible yeah yeah so if you're hiring like a midwife or a doula or even ob's and nurses like a lot when i go to the spinning babies workshops i see ob's and nurses there so you can ask your providers if they're familiar with spinning babies because I found it really so helpful in my practice for helping moms oh, have it easier births. If you can click a baby into a good position, it can save a transfer for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Do you remember, Jess, this one birth that we did together when the mom came in and I was like, hey, this baby's posterior, you should do some sifting. And you were like, nah, we'll just go to sleep instead. And then it cost us like five hours of our lives that we'll never get back. Was that this birth? Is this the disagreement episode or no. is this the was that this birth? baby episode? I really can't say. I did sift in the beginning of this birth. Did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. You missed it. I'm sorry. I take back my aggressive. That was so comment. aggressive. <laughs> I loved it. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I'm going to go cry and drink some champagne. Do you want to sift me to just feel better? Would that make you feel better? <laughs> yeah, I'll sift you. 
I'll sift you anytime. I really didn't know you did that. Well, where when, were you, Kim, when while Katie, she was sifting? I was charting in the other room. It was before Katie even got there. I know. When Katie got here, I was like, I told her to do it. And she said, no, they were going to sleep She's instead. throwing you under the bus. <laughs> no, sorry. Katie, I let's did. clarify. Sorry, really I was wrong. Happened. I'm just so kidding. we're going to talk more about that birth and exactly what happened after the Not break. In the context of Kim being mean to Jess, though. But for everybody to know, I did indeed hear that Kim thought the baby was posterior. Although I will say you're right. I didn't agree with you. I thought the baby was not posterior. I know. Um, but I sifted that baby anyway. Oh, you're that's the best. Love. Yeah. Because that's love. Yeah. I love and you. She just likes to make booty shake. So when I've been giving out the um, the knee chest position, I actually have been telling I didn't them, I feel do like the our clients just like oh, live in that, that position now. I know. I've been giving it out to people to do when the baby's like trans, you know, transverse instead of anterior. And I'm like, so let me show you what you're going to do. And then I turn and I say, get all of your sex out of the way before this, because no man on this planet can jiggle a butt without then expecting something. Yeah, in that's no. And I really need you to lay on your side after this and not do anything else. And all the dads turn beet red and the women are like, you are absolutely right. That's what happens every time. And then she gets into the open knee chest position and they're like, oh, now I see what you're yeah. talking about. But I mean, ultimately, a lot of times we're doing this to get the baby out. So at that point, the sex is really helping. So it all it all helps each other out. Do you remember well the video of me doing the open knee chest position, butt ass naked? Yes. And your butthole was gaping. Yeah. We talked about I know we talked about episode, that, I think, a long time ago, but I thought this would be a good time. I want to get a screenshot of that and put a star over it. <laughs> no. Payback for the butt shot from the other night. No. Put a Patrick Starfish over your asshole. <laughs> I mean, my butt, it was my like 24 year old butt. Oh, so that I was glorious. So it was amazing. But man, that camera right behind my butt while she wiggled it. Oh, my God. That was the most horrifying thing I've ever watched on TV. I always drape a towel. Always. Yeah. I will always drape a towel. You did do that. This had this. I always do. I just am like that poor woman with her butthole just out for the world to see. Well, I didn't care in the moment, but I no, cared when I you watched have to have a provider. video. That could be one of your interview questions for your provider. Like, will you always protect my asshole? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I will. Why do you think I wore a skirt for Evie's birth with all you guys coming? And I was like, and this is my birth skirt with polka dots so that my butthole is never showing. And then Brock, and then you just rip everything off. <laughs> so anyway, spinning babies. Um, yeah, it's super helpful for what getting that thing that you release with Alice all the time. Release the piriformis. <laughs> it's so legit. Yeah, it is legit. And it's very funny to watch. You get to climb so, up on tables with strangers and assume really inappropriate positions. It's much more, it, it feels much more inappropriate when you're practicing it in the seminar than when you're yeah. actually in a birth because you're just like in your normal life yeah. and you're like, hey, you're my partner for these exercises and you're literally just sticking your fingers next to their asshole and pushing down. Perfect. I'm going to be so upset if you can't, Kim, I'm pointing to Kim, can't come with me to the next training because I'm going to have to do this with a complete stranger. No, let's do it, but do it. I, I don't want to miss uh, Katie's birth yeah, so that's fair oh that's true we have all to right. do it later well Might you can't to... miss it either hello i, know. I was gonna say <laughs> never mind i'll have to do it in the fall maybe all right so now that we know and everyone knows that your cervix does not dilate symmetrically yeah mm -hmm. well i do i also wanted to talk a little bit about that in that different providers handle 
your cervix still being there when you start to push in a different way. And so me as a doula, and this might be part that some other birth professionals might not agree with, but um, a lot of my clients I work with are having natural births that they don't have pain medications and mostly not being induced, some inductions. Um, but I find that a mom having a natural birth, she's going to get an urge to push most moms before she's actually fully dilated. And, and she's not talking about like five or six centimeters. Like those are usually a well, unique situation. I, I think mean, you mean more closer to like eight or nine. I feel like, right? yeah. well, actually, sometimes depending on the mom and how fast her birth is going. So when I see a mom start the urge to push at five centimeters, her birth is usually either going really fast or she has a posterior baby right. that's triggering that way too early. Um, or the baby's just at like plus two. Yeah. Because rectal pressure and the urge to push are super similar. So I find that that it's gets exactly confused a lot, especially yeah. with posterior babies. But there, yeah, there is a difference between the urge to push and like the pushing reflex. And so it's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I'm sorry for anybody who believes this, but there's so many moms who their their labor is going fast and they will start to naturally have that reflex. And so because it's a reflex, like you can't control it. It's like trying to stop throwing up or sneezing or it just happens when the baby triggers that reflex. And so in some practices, I find that they will very often be like when they hear that happening, well, let me check you because I don't want you to push if your cervix is not all the way gone because that'll cause your cervix to swell. And, and so it can. It, it can. It can. But I find, but then you have a mom who has this reflex going on, and then her only way to try and stop that is to tighten every muscle in her lower body, which hurts like all holy hell. And It's like impossible. It's a, and she still is pushing. And so I find that it makes those last like moments of her dilating so awful. And the majority of those moms, they just if they just go with their body, their cervix moves right out of the way and they push past it. Um, and I find that usually if the cervix starts swelling, like we were talking about, it's not because she was pushing too soon. It's because usually there was some other underlying issue that her cervix swelled. Hmm. I'm thinking about I, everything you're saying. I yeah, just think I, there's so many different situations. situations. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've had situations like, I agree with what you're saying for moms who are going really fast, but I've also had moms who are primips who are having very long labors who start feeling pushy super early. And you can just like, you know, if you check them and you see they're only two or three centimeters, you're like, okay, this oh, is yeah. probably that's psychological. Re like that's really early. Yeah. But it's happened before, you know, and there's like those poor moms yeah, that you end sure. up like horse slipping with yeah. for hours. And so I agree that there are a lot of moms who go really quickly that you can witness what you're, you're talking about with, but I've also had the opposite experience where like moms are feeling pushy super early probably because they're ready to be done already and they like want to feel that urge to push and so they kind of create that for themselves and also like the pressure of having a baby in your vagina i've never experienced but i imagine that's really fucking intense no matter how early in labor it is and like that urge to that feeling of pushing is going to come on pretty quickly yeah so i don't want to say that it that doesn't happen but i find in like the, the years i've been doing birth work that the majority of the time um it's not yeah, uh, usually it's not urge, something wrong. An urge to push at five centimeters if it's 
if it's not time to push, it is often an OP baby. But I just mm-hmm. had a mom go five. She was five centimeters. And then she just like jerked her head up and said, I'm pushing. And the mm-hmm. baby came out. Mm-hmm. It was less than 15 minutes. So, yes, yeah. she and pushed that's what, and moved her cervix. And out that's of the what way. happened with my second baby, too. It was like I that urge was there and the sh- contractions were strong coming, coming, coming. And then it's like, oh, you're only five centimeters. And then because that urge is still happening, the next contraction, it's like, oh, you're six centimeters. Oh, you're seven centimeters. Oh, okay. Your your body's just moving that cervix out of the way so quickly. And And that's mostly my experience if the baby does not have something like their asynclitic or their posterior. And as a provider, it's pretty easy to tell like when that pushing is effective like I feel like if you have a mom who's pushing and you don't like really recognize the force behind what's happening or if there doesn't seem to be progress with the baby moving down like you can kind of take a step back and reassess but I agree that like in most situations you can tell that that's really making they're really making progress and I mean like we're not big on internal exams but you can always like I love and them. See. I love them with all my heart. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, they have their, it's a tool. It's an amazing resource and it's information tool. Um, for allow us to make decisions. But like, you can tell when a cervix is going to move out of the way. Yeah. Even if they're only five centimeters and they're feeling pushy, you can feel it. You're like, oh, this is like, you're going to push right yeah. so easily. Mm-hmm. And then you can like allow that to continue to unfold. But like, if you notice, like, after pushing for a little while, that a mom isn't really seeming to have a lot of power yes. behind her pushing or like she doesn't seem to be making a lot of progress. You can always check and see what's going on and go from there. Yeah. And I also um, like to say, I, I tell moms in those situations, like if your body is pushing and you absolutely can't control it, like let your body do what it's doing. Like it's not going to hurt you to push a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to hurt you more to like tighten up every not muscle to. in your body. Yeah. Um, and I say, but I say, don't try and give any more than what your body's doing. Because some people do right. get excited and they're like, oh, let me push harder whereas well, th- their body might just be giving little grunts and i first. think that's a big um that's a big tell like are they are they aggressively pushing because they want to be or is their body doing it and they can't stop mm-hmm. i find that what i've been doing um for a while now is if someone starts to push no matter what you know first time mom five babies whatever i kind of give it some time and i'll clarify like if your body is doing it great go with it but don't force it. And then I give them some time. And if they're, like you said, Meredith, if there's not obvious change, if she's not saying, yes, I do feel baby moving down, I do feel increased pressure, then I will check after a period of time to make sure that they're not pushing an asynclitic baby onto a cervix that's now that swelling. swelling yeah. yeah. And I feel like I've learned to value those little grunting pushes so much more because those little oh, grunting yeah. pushes are the ones that's maybe moving that like six centimeter cervix slowly out of the way. So like, for sure, I don't know. I just feel like value those pushes. Don't feel like you have to coach a mom to do that. Like 10 second deep held breath push. Like those little ones can actually do a lot of really good oh, work yeah. too. And, and, we could have an entire episode about coached pushing oh, versus yeah. everyone's different pushing Again, with your body's it's... urges. And then there's sometimes that even in a natural setting, like there are times when coach pushing is really what you need. It's amazing. So maybe we'll have another episode about that. Um, but I do like to say that people get really scared about their cervix swelling and it can cause a lot of issues. But I also think it's important to talk about resources for if you have a swollen cervix, which we can talk about a little bit because we're going to tell this birth story but um kim as a provider that i worked with just this week um and what we usually do 
What are some of your favorite things to do for a mom whose cervix has actively started to swell? Oh, my favorite thing for a swollen cervix for sure is to put them on their side with the peanut ball. And then we alternate gelsimium, which is a homeopathic. It um, helps with swelling, but it, it primarily calms the mom's brain down. Um, usually when a swollen cervix is happening, the birth is very intense. I've never felt a swollen cervix with a mom that's sleeping. Yeah, it's usually like closer to the end too. So the mom's oh, yeah. already exhausted and has been in labor for a while. So Right. So then the gelsimium helps to calm them down. They just have to hold it under their tongue and it tastes good. Um, so that will knock out the mom's like intense freak out involving yeah. whatever's going Help on calm their nerves right and then i'll alternate that with arnica which i love because it's anti um it helps with swelling it helps with bruising it helps with blood pressure like inflammatory yeah and i know there's a lot of people that don't agree that homeopathy works but i am I have been so shocked at how how well it's worked every time we've used it in a labor for this situation. Oh, yeah. And you sure. guys, you know how I'm like, puh, natural stuff. But the homeopathics just, they're amazing. If you use them the right way, they work so well, so much better than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I've heard of midwives holding ice on a cervix and things like this. And, and I'm not saying that doesn't work. I don't know. I've never tried it. But that just homeopathics sounds... Homeopathics are much easier. Yeah, that just sounds horrible to me. So that alternating with specific homeopathics, having them like horse slip mm -hmm. if they can't mm -hmm. stop pushing. Can you just describe kind of, horse slipping? Or can you model it for us, Kim? I don't really have lips, but I'll try. <gasps> <laughs> I've heard that you do have Or blowing lips. bubbles in the tub is really good. My lips, unfortunately, were Not, distributed elsewhere. She's talking elsewhere. about her face lips. <laughs> no, we weren't talking They're about somewhere her else. face lips. But she's my... saying she doesn't have face lips. I know. <laughs> I start talking about her other lips. I it was a subtle hint, but now it is not. No. <laughs> well, our audience can't pick up on the subtle hint. I think they can. <laughs> I think they did. That's true, considering we've talked about your other lips a lot. I feel like if Evan people haven't realized it, then... It's cool. So, yeah, I love homeopathics, and I love, um, you know... Side-lying. Yes, mm -hmm. and at the same time, like, jiggling the sifting that you do when you're mm -hmm. um, when you're jiggling their thighs or their hips or their butt, it, it naturally causes them to release their muscles. And as you said, tensing all of your muscles actually will increase the swelling and the, the And cervix. the stress hormones that you're releasing, right. which can cause even more problems. Mm -hmm. And I've heard of other homeopathics being used by other midwives. So these are just the two that I've seen, like, amazing success. And the Arnica does the same for high blood pressure. Yeah. Not if you're hypertensive, but if you come in and you're stressed... Um, I have definitely used for an hour used Arnica every 15 minutes yeah. for blood pressure. Too. And Arnica yeah. can help how you're feeling emotionally as well. Mm -hmm. as gelsimium. Um, well, that's the beauty of homeopathics is they're so gentle. And then we also really try and get that. moms while they're laying on their side to rest in between contractions. And sometimes they will actually be able to like sleep, even if it's in like a couple minute increments. I think um, the worst thing you can do if your cervix is swelling. And again, you have to have a provider that is able to say to you, I can tell your cervix is swelling. There's a difference between a swollen cervix and a cervix that's just closed mm -hmm. from stress from adrenaline or whatever but if you can tell the cervix is swollen i think one of the worst things you can do is be upright yeah walking and it. squatting and doing all of these things that we typically love in labor at that point if you have a swollen cervix you need to lay down you need to rest give you your need cervix to a, a break yeah give your cervix a break off of it and mm -hmm. try and correct 
the problem that's causing it. Yeah. Well, that's how I like to differentiate between uh like a lip and a swollen cervix is a lip. If you can get the mom in a position that's going to get the baby's head on that lip a little bit more, that's going to help that melt away since it is a problem of like balance of weight on the cervix. Whereas with a lip, you want to do the opposite. I'm sorry, with a swollen cervix, you want to do the opposite. You want right. to get as much weight of it off of it as possible. Just give it a rest. So it is important to be able to differentiate between the two. So it's time for our regularly scheduled break for our sponsor. Um, and then when we come back, we will talk about our weekly birth story and... And other aggressive ways to handle... Yeah, this. we haven't talked about Kim's favorite way to handle... Kim, a, you're so aggressive. I'm so aggressive. I love it. a swollen cervix, more of a lip. It's more of a... Yeah. I have, I have felt... Oh my gosh. We can talk all about <laughs> the most swollen cervixes we've ever felt. I have stories for that too. After the break. Stories for days. All right, let's go to our break. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. Okay, so today's sponsor for our episode is Clementine Vintage in Stralsburg, Virginia. Clementine Vintage is a local shop and they specialize in vintage home decor, workshops, and local products. They're one of my favorite shops to go to in Stralsburg while I'm walking around. One of my favorite things to get there is earrings. I don't know if everyone knows, but I love earrings. And they have some really cool and different earrings that I'm sure they can. everyone can find something that they will love. And they're also super affordable. Um, so if you're looking for some vintage products or some different uh accessories to complement your beauty or local products like soaps and perfumes that are good for you the environment and smell amazing um, or some like vintage furniture go check them out the owners are some of my favorite people I've known them since I was in school and they're always supporting local businesses so like I said check them out go buy something from them support local businesses and um, yeah back to the episode Okay, welcome back from that delightful break. Did you guys enjoy the elevator music? So good. Actually, the elevator music is great, but what you bring to the elevator music is really above and beyond, Jess. You're so sweet. The only, the only one better in an elevator than you is Aerosmith. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Me neither. Have you ever seen those YouTube videos? Wait, of people just singing hold in the on. Elevators at the Grammys? Can I take a picture of that face that you just made? Fucking love in an elevator, people. Aerosmith? Love in an elevator? Not- oh my god! Wait, can you sing it to us? I don't do song names ever. I'm dying a slow death. That's that's almost as bad as the two of you not seeing Legend. Okay. I still don't feel bad about that. Can Love- you sing it, please? Love in an elevator sounds better than farts in an elevator, which is what I was going to talk about. <laughs> I don't know what to say right now. She's literally unfriending us in her brain. How did we start talking about elevators? Uh, the elevator music. Elevator music. That's right. <laughs> also, I assumed what you were talking about, and it was not what you were talking about. No, I was going to talk about the you YouTube about prank parts. videos where people like fake fart in elevators around strangers to see what they'll do. What's the general response? Ignoring them? 
they try to ignore them but the videos are so freaking funny i like laugh until i cry every single time Do people start giggling because that's, we're all just really immature creatures yeah they just can't even help it but they try to ignore it that's because you think farts are so funny they're so funny everyone no, thinks they're funny anyone kim, anyone you giggle could. every time you fart kim i do i was gonna play this song for you but i'm worried about copyright infringement and all that nonsense so yeah. i'll wait until we're done yeah good I'm idea because i love arrows so. um god do you really not know love it can we have another quick break i don't know if i can handle waiting okay i don't know it's gonna take me a minute to move past this <laughs> now i kind of want to make love in an elevator though oh god well steven tyler does i am ovulating and my ibuprofen kicked in so i'm not you're not, I'm not feeling in, like it. horrific you're pain not anymore. anymore so I, I could make love in an elevator <laughs> right now <laughs> could you where the heck would we go for an elevator in this area it takes <laughs> it takes two tiny people to really squeeze in there depending <laughs> are on you what... talking about an elevator i was or... i was envisioning a lift like they go have to in the London. winchester medical center and like try and get because that get wouldn't ruin our professional in the winchester rep- medical center elevator <laughs> but do you think we get a free birth there if we were saying that our baby was conceived in the elevator we have taken a hard right turn yeah, we have. Okay. So anyway, so there's a new thing we're going to be doing, which is something that we actually had talked about doing when we first started a long, this podcast. Long time um, ago. And that is doing a birth story of the week. And so today we're going to share the birth story that me and Kim did this week together because it goes along with our topic we're talking about. But in the future... We're going to be having people send us birth stories, either people that had babies or um, birth professionals that attended births. And we can like read your story and then talk about our opinions about that story as we go. So, yeah, today we're going to talk about the birth story me and Kim did this week. Which involves how we can handle um, a swollen lip. Yeah. I'm just lounging, listening while I drink champagne. So, this story. Yes, I know. It's did really you get nice. a Did you get a picture of it? Can I just listen to you guys talk all the time? This is magic. I, I guess I kind of do that. <laughs> I want to say how the story started. Go. I was laying in bed reading my current vampire trilogy because I'm a dork. You sounded really tired when I called you. I was. I was ready for bed. And you said, so-and-so is having contractions, but they're going to sleep. And I said, did she take something? And you said, no. And I said, okay, let me know. And we thought she'd sleep all night. For the record, it was a first-time mom. And so we are kind of used to first-time moms um, having bouts of contractions that go away when they sleep. Um, And so, yeah. And we had, like... And this is a thing that we do. We drill into mom's heads, especially first-time moms. Like, you need to sleep. Even if you feel like you can't sleep, you need to sleep. Don't chase labor. Let labor chase you. Exactly. That should be our next mantra. Yeah. And so she was handling labor super awesome. And then um, I got a text saying that they were having contractions every like seven to ten minutes. So for a first time mom at seven to ten minutes, it still can be pretty far off labor or not labor birth. Hold on. They're doing something. There's something outside. My hound dog is going batshit crazy. I'm going to pause this for a second. Welcome back from that unexpected break. We are now completely back. Also, Kim played Love in an Elevator for oh us. Oh, my God. I actually know the song. I just always said, Love in a Minute. Yeah. <laughs> Love in a Minute. 
<laughs> it's not down. helping. You're not helping. I yourself. also never realized the line was loving it up while we're going down. Living it up when you're going. That was loving the line it either, up, Jess. or loving it up. Yeah, loving it up. I think they say both while we're going down, which yeah. I, I really appreciated that. The line. read between the lines. That's the. I don't know. I really la, enjoyed la, that. Loving it up. Listen, I don't know these two right now. I'm sorry. Also, okay. they're ten years younger than I am. So whatever. I was gonna not, say I was like eight years old when I first started listening to that song. So I, I didn't really understand what it was about. I am not ten years younger than you. I'm five years, six years younger than you. Oh, sorry. My There's bad. a big difference. How dare you? Four whole years. I wish a I was 10 years younger than years. you. <laughs> I would take that extra four years. <laughs> Me too, girl. Okay, okay. Where were you? So back to our birth there story. So we try to get first time moms to go to sleep. And so they texted me saying like contractions were seven to 10 minutes apart. This is nighttime. So and Jess was at a concert. <laughs> I was. I, Did I, you tell them on that? Um, no. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> But I was ready to leave at the drop of a hat. Um, and I was not drinking because I knew that things were happening. So, but for first time moms, if they're having contractions for seven to 10 minutes apart, like it really could still be a long time. Like, like a day. Yeah. I mean, even more than that sometimes. And um, so we were like, okay, yeah, this is the time when you lay down and go to sleep. And so they were like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to lay down and we're going to go to sleep. And so I did get through the entire two hours of the concert. And who did you go see? I went and saw Carbon Leaf. It was awesome. <laughs> Why are you laughing like that? I don't know who they are, but I do know who Aerosmith is. I just think it's really funny when saw Carbon Leaf. I don't know. Like when you texted me that you were going to go see a show, I was like, oh, who are you seeing? And you're like, Carbon Leaf. I was like, oh. Why is that funny? I don't know. It's just random. I got free tickets. Oh, you always get free tickets, Jess. That's like your life is you get free access to literally whatever you want. That's not true. It's totally true. Jess, Everyone, it's like your superpower. Everywhere we go, you literally pay for nothing. Because everyone loves you and they just want to be involved. So yeah. they buy your love. That's and it's not, not even because you ask people. It just manifests. It's magical. I just like sit back and watch it unfold. That's not true. Okay, it's true. Okay. So you were at this concert okay, and we so tried to tell her to I got to through the sleep. whole concert and I was like, all right, maybe I'll get an hour or two of sleep before they call back. And then like literally as we were leaving the concert, I got in the, another text, not expecting it, saying, hey, we're heading in now. And I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> Which is Kim's biggest pet peeve. Yeah. <laughs> hello. <laughs> so I immediately knowing it's Kim's biggest pet peeve. Not, And it's not the moms. It's Ch it's Jessica's clients do this because they communicate with you instead of me. So then I have no heads up at all. Well, I didn't have a heads up for this one. I really thought they were going to sleep all night. And I told you that. And so um, I immediately call Kim and I'm like, so they say they're heading in. And then I like text them and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, things changed very suddenly. And she was like, I need to go. Contractions are closer. And I was like, okay. So we get there. No one will be there except Kim's a superhero. No, they would so because be there. she was, she lived far away. Oh, okay. Um, so there was plenty of time for all of us to get there. Hence why I also felt comfortable being at the concert. Um, so we get there and she's definitely laboring and she's, she looked, she was so unhappy when she walked in and I was like, fantastic. She had an hour car ride. Awful. And it turned out she was eight centimeters dilated. Correct. Which how many times have you seen moms come in and 
and she was handling it so well but they come in and they're you're like oh my god you're seven or eight centimeters and you're like this is gonna go great and then all of a sudden it's like Bleh. oh no i have stopped celebrating eight centimeters yeah we have especially one mom- post car ride eight centimeters i feel like that's a yeah. very different monster if, this, if the one mom if my thanksgiving mom is listening i love you so much but she was eight centimeters and it took her 24 hours to have her baby that's abnormal and i know people listening are like oh my god that's horrible how can you let someone go no 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 this mom was a rock star and it was a specific situation and she slowly dilated and slowly birthed her baby and it was beautiful but yeah thanks to this beautiful mom i don't celebrate eight centimeters yeah, anymore throw your textbook out the window thanks everyone to, is different thanks to so many beautiful moms i also don't in fact actually i think when i they first get there and they're that i'm like well <laughs> something's probably gonna happen now something's because she was not only eight centimeters but her baby was at zero station and she had a bulging bag of water and it was just like i was like, like okay but her baby everything was should just happen yeah so I knew. But that. that that is the stage of labor when the baby's trying to come down and rotate and do all those things where if there's a problem with position or if there's another problem, it's going to start to manifest at that point. Yeah. Eight centimeters is a huge hold up point. Seven to eight. Well, yeah. those ischial spines are also a bit of a ischial bear at zero spines. station. Oh, you have a song for that, but you don't know love in an elevator. You know what? We did I know do. the song. Love in an elevator. <laughs> She's like, oh. up She's like, look, I know down. all the lyrics now. I can't. I can't. Well, should, oh, I wish I had a picture of Jess's face. Right living now. it up while we're going down is literally one of my favorite things in the world. So <laughs> she lives it up real hard. Do I live it up or do I go or down? Or do I go down? In an elevator. I mean, I feel... I feel like you would enjoy one way more than the other. Yes, don't so. ask my husband about this. You I might passed out in an really. elevator once. You did? Yeah. Nikki and I went, I won't tell you how old we were, but I kind of passed out I after say, we, I don't think any of us passed on the elevator after we drank too much weekend. and she smacked my face and got me to stand back up before the elevator door opened. <laughs> <laughs> I would it never a- smack you in the face passed out because I'd be really worried that you just come up fighting me back. Oh, I was not fighting anybody. Kim, that was, Kim was so crazy in her alternate life known as her 20s. Yeah, no, that was, I was not 20. If only we'd known... <laughs> She was 16. I was not, not yet pregnant. No, I'm not going to talk about it. Moving on. We got we got distracted again. Okay, so anyway, so she so we're like, "Okay, great." And so we start laboring, fill up the tub. It's going to be time soon, we feel like. And then time's going by, time's going by, time's going by. She's getting pushy, but nothing's really happening. Things are staying pretty the same. And so I think, how long after that was it? Like four, five hours? I think it was four hours. We had waited almost four and a half hours. And then I did check her again. And that's when we discovered. In the meantime, so the first exam where she found out she was eight is the one where Kim said, I think I can tell by the way the baby's head feels that the baby is posterior. You should do some sifting, um, which I did do. Clarification. I missed that. I'm sorry. And How um, long did you sift? Kim was pooping. Was she was was she in knee chest? No, I didn't sift a knee chest. I just did hands and knees for four or five contractions. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I probably Well now we know better, don't we, Jess? (laughs) She's still going. (laughs) We're gonna have to pour her more champagne. (laughs) Here you go, Jess. Her face looks so apologetic as soon as those words came out of her mouth. No, she couldn't I'm even kidding. keep a straight face while she was saying them. No. <laughs> I love you more than the universe. I would never hurt your feelings. <laughs> you can't. 
can't hurt my feelings. I'm dead I know, inside. You don't have if any. anybody was going to hurt her feelings, that would be no, you. No, it's true. If you really did try to hurt my feelings, I would like <laughs> die. And then you would throw yourself on my grave. And then we'd be dead and Meredith would be alone. And then I would drink poison. So. Okay. Okay. So. We died aggress again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We need more structure. So so Kim goes and she uh, eventually after like four-ish hours, Kim's like, okay, let's see what's going on. This is it's taking longer than it seems like it should um, for how smoothly things were going. And so we do another exam. And, so exam number two. And this is where you come in because that's where your fingers were touching cervixes yeah, and heads so and her, stuff. She was still eight centimeters, but it was it was very swollen and not movable. And what did the baby's head feel like? Um, the baby's head was... St- did feel a little different but not not a whole lot so then we did some sifting but you could tell by how what you were feeling that the baby's head was like not doing what it was supposed to no the baby's head wasn't fully applied to the cervix the sutures were just feeling off to me um i don't want to say the baby didn't feel as posterior as as he did in the beginning though so that must be because i sifted that's probably because you probably (laughs) most likely because you did do some sifting also can we clarify what sutures are for people yes so where your um the different portions of your skull come together are called sutures and those are overriding or not overriding but they're not fused because babies have soft malleable heads and they're so they can fit through your their skull plates are meant to like move around each other so you can like read their suture lines to figure out what position their head is in so the most common suture line people would be most aware of is the the fontanelle on top of their head which people call their soft spot that's one of the fontanelles which you don't want to feel when you're doing a vaginal exam right i think one of the most common suture lines is the sagittal suture that's the one we're all kind of feeling for but i find that um, women who have a tight pelvis that your baby can still fit through the coronal suture will start to override and come forward yeah so i was feeling that suture it was not where it was supposed to be it not was not to be confused with coronavirus right or, or corona the beer or the beer coronal suture and don't get me started about this goddamn pandemic <laughs> Google it. I really enjoyed Please. my conversations with people around the coronavirus recently. First of all, okay, step no, we're not doing it. Step one, turn off Fox News. No, Just stop. Okay, we're, get, we're moving on. We're moving on. I'm going to take control of the podcast. Bleep we're, that out. We're moving on. Moving on. So, 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 so the, when, I, when I checked, the cervix was swollen, but the baby had moved, but in a position where it was, I was having a hard time reading mm-hmm. exactly where the, the head was at that point. And so we're all talking and, and, at this point, the mom had started to like, she had been doing so well and was handling labor so well. And then she started to be in like a lot of pain and was like really like. So her pubic getting bone stressed was hurting a lot. Or what she thought was her pubic bone. Yeah. So anytime that you have, um, anytime you have a, a an anterior lip, especially if it's swelling, you will start to get, you will perceive super pubic pain. Um, and that's just due to the cervical lip, like that's going to cause you pain. So we know to look for that. And she kept complaining about that. Um, and the, the anterior portion of her cervix was more swollen than the rest. So that all made sense. But then you did the knee chest position. We did shimmying and sifting. And so, so first we decided to see if we could just get her to rest Mm -hmm. and she couldn't like her contractions were coming so hard and she was feeling so much pain, which I felt. So we got her back in the tub because she was having a, we tried to get her to sideline rest and it wasn't happening. I mean, that was super painful for her. It's a hard no. And so we got her back in the tub and she was able to rest a little bit in there. 
Um, no way. We did the, we did. So before she got back in the tub, we, we wanted to try and get the baby's head in a better position. So we put her in an open knee chest. And what that means is that a mom's chest is all the way down on the bed or the floor. Their butt is up in the air and their knees are not in a 90 degree. Their hips are not at a 90 degree angle. So the angle is wider. Their knees are further back than their butt. You can find a picture of that on the spinning babies website. And then what we do, the, the whole point is to see, is to try and get the baby's head to come out of the pelvis so that when it comes back in, it can come back in a better position. And hopefully flex and so on then the way down. Kim so nicely draped a towel over her butt while I jiggled it a lot to try there and... There was some intense butt jiggling happening. Intense butt jiggling. For a while, she tolerated that for Yeah, for like, good, at, like 10 contractions oh, yeah, probably. A lot of women like the butt jiggling though because it takes some of that pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the whole point is trying to get the baby's head with the jiggling in that position to come out of the pelvis. That's called so, shaking apples also. If yes. you ever hear people talking about that term, shaking apples, that's what they're referring yep. to. So we did that. And then she got back in the tub and the tub was able to relieve her pain enough that she was actually able to rest during contractions for a while and then after she rested for a while um then not too long though not too long then they started to come back and be more intense and so we got her back out and we checked her again because she started to push that's why i checked she was her pushing again, again. She, through this whole thing she was like what we would expect at that stage of labor starting to get pushy but then things weren't progressing past mm-hmm. that um and so, but it looked a little different, which if you're a birth worker, you kind of understand what we're talking about. You can see these subtle differences. And so the Kim checked her again and the swell, and we had also been doing gelsimium and Arnica for an every, hour, every 10, 15, 15 minutes yeah. overlapping sometimes. And so when Kim checked her again, what did you feel then? Um, she was still at an eight, but it was very stretchy and the swelling had gone away. So I knew because she started to get really upset at that point. Like, and she was verbalizing, like, I don't understand how things could be going so smooth and then just get so difficult. I mean, she laughed right up until she was eight centimeters. So I knew that we either needed to push now and just push the cervix out of the way or she needed to do nothing. Yeah. So can we talk about that a little bit more? Like, I feel like that's a huge marker in women's labors is when you start being a little bit more aggressive and how you approach their labor versus stepping back and letting them rest and do what they need to do. So I feel like you're really good, Kim, about gauging when women are getting to the point where they need you to be more proactive. Right. When they're starting to like not be able to focus and they if they can't rest, if they can't concentrate, yeah. they're starting to freak out a little bit. Like you're really good at knowing when you need to offer them more. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a couple switches women hit in labor and you didn't want to call it losing their shit because <laughs> I call I call it a crap moment. I think I also yeah. well I guess I I mean yeah it's okay it's okay to lose your shit in labor like that's okay it's so, a really difficult thing to do so yeah and there comes a time where the, you know like at this moment where the cervix was eight it was stretchy and I thought to myself if she can just muster the energy to push I can help her and we can have this baby but that's also very aggressive for someone who wants an out of hospital gentle birth so then at that point I would say your options are if you can lay down with this peanut ball rest and relax and let us massage you, then we can just wait for the cervix to move out of the way. But if you are freaking out and in your mind, you're considering transferring to the hospital for an epidural, then before you do that, I would like to try to help you. Because if you transfer to the hospital and have your baby in the ER bay, you're going to be really upset that you went through all of these things, um, all of your prenatal care out of hospital, and then you had your baby in the hospital. Which has happened before. 
which or has you'll go back before. and take awesome photos of recreating it and totally own it yeah that's totally cool too so i knew she was just and who wouldn't be frustrated she'd been eight centimeters for four and a half hours at that point it was five hours and she was over it so i knew that we were reaching a point where i was either going to be able to help her through this or we were going to transfer for an epidural i just wanted to say that she was so good about vocalizing exactly what she was feeling and it a lot of like, women just can't she was like i feel like the baby's trying to come down and it's pushing against something and it's not allowing it to come down and she was feeling very concrete or very direct pain where that was holding up and at some point when you were checking her it turned into a lip not eight centimeters well she she, was just feeling just that lip because when she um when she said i can't i said do you think you can sleep she said no i can't i said then we need to start pushing let me help you push and with her first very amazing awesome push the cervix started to melt away so then the the, the um, 50% of her cervix, the posterior part, went completely away and the head came down a little bit. Um, and then over the next like maybe four or five contractions, I held the cervix out of the way. But for all of you listening, if you don't know this trick yet, I would like to share it with you. If you're holding a cervix out for of the, the way. For the birth workers that are listening. For the, the midwives and doctors. For anybody that's listening, if you're if you're helping a mom push, uh, if you move the cervix in between contractions, if the cervix is pliable enough, don't wait for the contraction to start because once the contraction starts, the intensity is not going to allow you to do anything with the cervix. So in between the contraction, you take the swollen cervix, you gently use as many fingers as you can get in there and you push it back and, and it's going to take some work, but you push that cervix back and then when the contraction starts, it won't move. But if you wait until the contraction to start, you're working against nature, which no one wins against nature mm-hmm. ever. So Kim did that. And then also noticing she had a low pubic bone. It was like, let's see if we can get the baby not also only past the cervix, but low enough to the pubic bones, putting some downward pressure to give more room lower. Once you move the cervix. So a really fun trick for that, that we've started to do at the center because we don't have those magical hospital beds that sometimes I wish we did is if you pull a mom all the way to the edge of the bed so that her sacrum is hanging over the bed and put them in the McRoberts position. And we promise you will not fall off the bed. We will not let you fall off. And these positions get horrible reputations because I guess if you go to the hospital, they ask every mom to get on their back and put their, their legs up. But sometimes this position is magical. It really does work. Yeah. So you drop the sacrum out, you throw the legs back, you give them a rebozo to hold on to. Which is just a scarf, basically. Just like a, a scarf, long scarf that you, you can them. wrap behind you. Yep. And it's long enough to allow the mom to hold it like a rope and to pull. So then the midwife is allowing them to pull or the doctor, whoever, the nurse, pull on the rope, pull on the rebozo, the bed sheet, whatever you have. It's giving them something to ground. And if you have successfully moved that cervix out of the way by moving it in between contractions, then when they push, you can start putting downward pressure bottom. You can or on the bottom, you can start pushing the sacrum out of the way, which you will feel if they have a low pubic bone, you can start pushing on that. And then when that doesn't do anything, you can start pushing on the side, you can start pushing the ischial spines open. This is when midwives can step up and be more aggressive if you understand the pelvis and how it works. Because this isn't something we would do for every mom coming in labor. Absolutely I just want to repeat that. Um, because it does sound aggressive because it is aggressive. But this was a mom who had been at eight centimeters for five and a half hours starting was 
past the point of getting exhausted, past the point of wanting to do it anymore, we were starting to talk about transferring for something else. And this was a last ditch effort. Like, let's see if we can get your baby out at the birth center before we go to the hospital. Also, these are the moms who the fetal heart tones have started to drop. And so you've already like considered calling EMS because of that. And you're like, you know, we have X many amount of pushes until they get here. So let's get this baby out before they do. Like those are those situations where it does help to have this knowledge and those tools to get the baby out if you can while you're still if you're planning on having out of hospital birth while you're able to do that wasn't the situation in this birth there was at one point when you were doing that the the baby's fetal heart tones did drop somewhat didn't respond the first time i tried to manipulate the cervix so she just we just stopped and and so we stopped got on our side Mm -hmm. and then we were able to do it again but it was like all of these things together and it's like having those birth workers that are experienced or who know how to work through these things It can make the big difference when we're talking about out of hospital birth of having your baby out of the hospital versus transferring for something that may have been possible to do still not at the hospital. And yeah, she ended up her second stage after the cervix was gone actually was so short, short. And she had a healthy baby. Yeah. Oh, the baby just came out beautifully. The baby was crying. crying. It was amazing. Um, but this is one of the things I like to point out, like forever ago when I had my own tiny practice, I wrote this little, whatever you want to call it saying it's, it was called, it's okay to push because I know a lot of midwives out there. We do try to remain hands off. And I think that's the best way to go. If you can be hands off and just support the space and protect the space, that's awesome. But if you're doing that to the point where you're not learning the anatomy of the pelvis and you don't fully understand the cardinal movements of the baby, if some problem does arise, you have to be able to step in and use the knowledge that you have to keep the mom out of the hospital or keep them safe until they get to the hospital. So it's okay to be hands-on in moments like this. And I think that's why women hire us. They hire us to give them the birth that they're looking for, but they're hiring us for our skills that we can utilize without having to go to the hospital, if at all possible. So it's great if you can be hands-off, but Mm -hmm. you've got to know how to be hands-on. And sometimes being hands-on is a lot more aggressive than you may ever, ever know or ever, ever dream of doing in your life. And it's the delicate balance between knowing when it's time for that and when it's too soon. Just because you have the skills doesn't mean you have to utilize them. But having the skills is better in those situations where you know you can make a difference versus not having them at all. Mm-hmm. And I love teaching. I mean, that's like my favorite part of midwifery is teaching. And I will never forget the look on all the different like student midwives faces when I'm working with a mom who has a low pubic bone and an asynclitic baby. And I take their hand and I say, push this hard. They're shocked. Like they mm-hmm. cannot believe that an out of hospital midwife, this sensitive, you know, hands off approach person is like, putting that much strength and energy into some pressure but that amount of pressure is what's going to help the baby come out and did you just call yourself sensitive i did (laughs) that not appropriate (laughs) whatever compare me to some of these jackwads that you meet in the hospital i think i'm pretty fucking sensitive as a former student of they're not all jackwads but come on i was trying to change the subject but you've met people that are like oh fuck you you don't know what you're talking about yeah stop crying like i'm not that bad yeah whatever yeah there have been nurses even like i love our nurses but there are nurses who've even said like why are you crying it's like really it's not that bad. But anyways, back to the point. So, yeah, it's getting time to end our episode. But the whole point of it was is that she had all those things happen. And she was at the end of her rope. 
and the, we got the baby out. Sometimes the baby doesn't come out. Um, or she got the baby out. I'm going to say it that way. She got the baby out with the help of some midwifery tricks. Yeah. It was um, all her energy. She but was she, amazing. She had a malpresented baby and she had a swollen cervix and she had a lip. And and I think that the takeaway from this is that sometimes when people get really scared of all those things, it can cause things to be worse. But those things can be resolved. You want to try and prevent them, but they also can be resolved. And you can go on to have a really good birth. Um, I've, I just have to say, I have felt cervixes swell and we have clients that are like, my only goal is for my, my cervix not to swell this time. Baby number three. Really? It happens. Like some women just get a swollen cervix and it is like, they get so swollen and it's so awful and you know, it's painful to move that out of the way for them, but it's move it or don't have a baby. But I've had a cervix and Sharon was with me. Holy Hi, shit. Sharon. The cervix, the the anterior cervix swelled like a water balloon. It was um, it was swelling out of her vagina. Holy crap. I thought it was going to explode. I'm not even making, I can't, there's no way to exaggerate what we were looking at because she was like, what is that? And I was like, that is her cervix. And in between contractions, you're going to need to gently massage that out of the way. And she was like holding it like, like you would like a, a bulging bag of water. <laughs> like this is going to explode and it's going to be a horrible transfer. It's And the baby came out and she didn't even have a prolapse. So thank goodness for that. But that's when Arnica oil oh. and ice could potentially be really helpful. The and human that body was, is amazing. Yes. And that was not a normally dilating cervix. So cervixes can really go crazy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, we had that client who was pretty swollen and then she had her baby like what? 10, 15 minutes later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can happen. So basically, we want to thank you for listening in to our opinions about swollen cervixes and however and my said, anterior my, lips. Her rants about potentially being more aggressive than you'd ever hope as a midwife. But Get it really there. is a premature urges to, to push. My schooling these two young chicks about Aerosmith. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I don't know if I'd be more fun about the young or the chicks or the Aerosmith. So all we have to say is we're so thankful that this mom had the birth that she wanted, even if it was not as easy as she had anticipated. Wow, that sounded weird. Anticipated. Anticipated. And also, and, um, also, Amanda, if you're listening right now an hour before bedtime, we are here for you. And we're thinking about you right now. And we hope that your sleep is awesome tonight. Yes, we do. All, the only other thing we have to say She's so is... so far away. Hold cheers! On. Cheers! <laughs> Can you cut out that weird pause that just happened? Sure. <laughs> <laughs>